Welcome back to another episode of the Grunge Bible Podcast. My name is Ethan Shaw, and I'm joined, as usual, my good friend Chris Salona, and we're here to talk music of the 90s, 1991 specifically. Chris, how are we doing today? <laughs> I'm fantastic, as always. I've just accepted that my normal baseline now is going to be generally exhausted and disgruntled with most things, <laughs> but that's okay, because then you get used oh, to it. Oh, come on. It can't be that bad, right? <laughs> no, it's it's never it's never that bad, right? Because there's always the expectation that it could be worse, um, but it's not yeah. worse. Yeah, we're, we're, we're doing all right, uh, sitting down but here. But I do know it's a Tuesday, and you're a little, little drained from the Monday of the work, and the work week is... Tuesday's the worst day of the week, right? Everybody I, agrees with that. I hate Tuesdays. I, I like Mondays because you, you get up and you're like, all right, like we're going to do yeah. this. Tuesdays, it sinks in that it's for real. And, uh, you know, you can't go back, obviously. And, you know, the, the, the tunnel's yeah, you pretty get a dark. Little, you get a little leeway on Monday sometime if you're not for it. But if you also, if you kill it on Monday, you're kind of the hero of everybody's kind of happy. Exactly. And, like, you really set the tone. And so... I'm People feed the off day. that energy, but but Tuesday the only thing, the only good thing about Tuesday is Taco Tuesday. So we got look look forward to that tonight, having some tacos. Absolutely. I know I will be. I, I think I'm going to be oh. celebrating as well. You, you have to, you know, it's it's one of the few yeah. things that can sustain us on a day like today. So yeah, so Tuesdays suck, but that's why we're recording the podcast. Exactly, got to got to spice things up a little bit. And as you mentioned, Ethan, uh, we're going to be talking about. 1991 in music so there are there are a lot of albums that are turning 30 years old uh this year that all came out in 1991 which for me and for you that doesn't mean anything because we weren't alive um but four years older than me <laughs> exactly it's uh it's five five years older than me <laughs> if my um, math is correct yeah if uh, the, the the gears are turning slowly but i i can do Wait, that you're 25 no i'm 24 i was born in 96 yeah, so six years older than I'll you. be twenty five this year. No, it depends on what time of the year the album came out with. It's true. Between between five and six. <laughs> How's that? All right. Nevertheless, it's crazy um how much good music came out in nineteen ninety one. And I would imagine there's a lot of people who are gonna be listening to this that are like, Wow, I feel really old if this is thirty. You know, this means I'm really old. But like we don't have that obviously since we're still, you know, in our mid twenties, at least for now. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, there's there's a lot, and we're excited to talk about it. Uh, before we get into it, this is episode 14, is that correct? I believe it is. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I think we're past the point where I'm going to actually be able to remember, but episode 14, I yeah, because Hard Sun was, uh, or Into the Wild, rather, was episode 13. But as always, these episodes would not be possible um, if it weren't for our, our big five, our uh, Grunge Bible 5 supporters over on Patreon. Uh, we're gonna change up the order that we say their names because uh, you know sometimes people, you know, people's names are at the back, but we're gonna we're gonna reverse them. You know, the the last shall be first and the first shall be last kind of thing. Um, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the support of Alexis Shannon, Shannon Gorgone, Victor Schaefer, Sonny Mashburn, and Release. <laughs> I thought you were gonna lead with Release, but <laughs> no, nah, he that the individual whoever they are. Um, they always have to round it out. They're the uh, they're the Overwatch yeah. of everything important. So, what do you say we get into? It? Let's let's talk some the class of 1991. Let's let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah. So where do we where should we start? I guess we should start with the the most notables and some of the the pillars. And I know in my in the grunge in my grunge world, there's I mean absolute pillars of albums from Pearl Jam, Nirvana, and Soundgarden. 
Yeah, like if you um, if you gave me as a fan, we've already done an episode on two of them. But exactly, if if you gave me like as a grunge music fan, if you only gave me one year to listen to, and like, hey, you can only listen to music from 1991. I mean, I'm pretty well stocked, and I think I'd be okay with it. I mean, because you have right off the bat, obviously, you have Nevermind, you have Ten by Pearl Jam, Bad Motor Finger, you have Temple of the Dog, and then something that's a little bit more, um, you know, grunge adjacent. You have Gish by the Smashing Pumpkins, and you have. Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, I mean those those five or six records right there that all came out in in one calendar year. That's that's pretty impressive. I don't I don't think they do yeah, that they're anymore. Massive, they're massive albums that really I mean set set the course for those bands for you know most of them. Obviously, Pearl Jam, uh, Nevermind was the biggest album that Nirvana could produce has produced and. Yeah, I mean, just and Bad Motorfinger, my favorite Soundgarden album. Yeah, spoiler alert before we get into the list. I think if I could only pick one record to listen to out of all of these, it might be Bad Motorfinger. Yeah, I agree. It's just front to front to back. I mean, ten is also the same yeah, way, but I think it that would be I, it would be between those two. But I would I would yeah. kick a lot we've of talked, these to the curb in favor of that. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot, and there's a lot of like tertiary albums that uh, are really good. Some artists that we love that. Uh, maybe maybe doesn't get the front to back play as those top albums like there's like Fugazi, Dino Jr. and uh, <laughs> our, our beloved Melvins and Mudhoney have <laughs> and have Primus some as, well. as well. This, and yeah, Primus, yes, all it, around. It's I just mean, and you can keep going. There's there's a Pixies album. There's a uh, a U two re recreation uh, reincarnation with Actung ba- uh, Actung Baby, like yeah. So. I guess let's talk about let's talk about a few in depth. Um, yeah, where should we start? Oh, let's, Metallica, Metallica, yeah, the black Metallica. album, absolutely changing like the scene of like going to ballads and just beautiful. Are you I mean, are some, you a Metallica person? Okay, yeah. So in my in my this notes needs to for be this talked. One, so this needs to be spoken let's about. Talk, let's talk about Metallica first. I like that. Uh, right. So Metallica, you'll you'll um, sympathize with this very well because. At first, I was not a Metallica fan mm-hmm. until our good friend Jim Toth, yes, in the in the in the Pittsburgh weight room up in the rafters of the the what's the field house called? Was it the the co- no, not the cost center? Was it? No, no, that was the, the Fitzgerald other one. Field House. <laughs> the <laughs> I Fitz. saying, and it was a alliter- yep. alliteration, yeah. The yeah. Fitzgerald Field House. We were in the top, and and so Chris and I, we, we were in the trenches up there, and and. If I had to pick one, so okay, Bad Motor Finger, we talk about a lot, but as far as other bands, Metallica is like one of the ultimate weight weight room bands, and uh, our good friends, we used to, we used to for no good reason at all shit on Metallica. At least I did. I think you did too. I think <laughs> oh, we're in the I, same I, boat. And, I totally did. And to be honest, because this is many years later, I'm still not completely. I still haven't come around um, to Metallica. Right. But they have a, a special lot. place in your heart, right? Oh, absolutely. It's it, they, they're they're in the same category for me um, with like ACDC, for example. Where like I don't mm. listen to the, I only listen to them if I'm in the weight yeah. room. You know, like that that is the only point in time. But I mean, you talk about yeah. that Metallica album. I mean, I mean, Enter Sandman is on there. So I mean, yeah, I was just saying, Enter Sandman is like one of <laughs> that's all you need one to of know. the best one of the best weight room songs and one of just one of my favorite uh, um, Metallica songs in general mm-hmm. um and then you have like the really like uh different sounds with the the unforgiving and nothing else matters like super like drawn out and dramatic and i mm-hmm. think that are two of also their best songs i really love like 
uh, ballad type songs from oh, these yeah. like he- heavy rock bands. Like you see that a lot. Um, I think in the era, and um, yeah, a little yeah, shift. Just, and, 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 a, and a footnote about nothing else matters. That's got to be in the top ten all time list of songs that people will play at a guitar center or a guitar shop when they pick <laughs> up a guitar and they're like, I need to see if if this works while subtly showing off that like I know how to play the guitar. Um, it's always always that little riff where they're just working down the fretboard. Um, yeah, do you mind if I plug in real quick? Yeah. Uh, I just want to see if it, how, <laughs> like, how gotta, it plays. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yes, we do mind, but we can't say no. <laughs> hey, no stairway. That's all that matters yeah. when you're in the guitar center. Absolutely not allowed to do that. <clears throat> yeah, I, no, I do. I do like Metallica. I think that <clears throat> I think that I wasn't. I mean, I wish I kind of wish I would have lived through Metallica a little bit versus like looking back on it because mm-hmm. uh you have the people that really love them, and like they're kind of polarizing. I feel. Oh, they they totally are. I think. I mean, you have yeah. people that are really really big into rock music, but like um, Metallica and like the area that they occupy is like one of those weird sects of rock music where it's like it's it's metal, yes, but like not like tons and tons of like there's people who like Metallica who don't like metal. And then there's people who say Metallica like aren't metal enough. And they're like, Oh, right. they're, they're posers for metal, but they're too hard for mm-hmm. rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. I've, po- I've posted them and been like, yeah, like, and called them a metal band. And then people just, you know, naturally yeah. jump in and be like, if you guys think this is metal, then you're, you're way off. It's one of <laughs> those bands that after. has, it has such a cult following, you know, not, does, yeah. not tons of casual I listeners. I think it's because, of. Uh, because of the members like Hetfield and, and yeah. Lars are both, uh, you know, big personalities. And obviously the feud that created uh, Iron Maiden <clears throat> and like the split up, I think I think that just comes with the territory when you have bands break up and you have drama like that. that you have like a really, you have opinions on them. But I like that. I mean, that's what, that is, that is music and fame, you know? Yeah. And, and I think anytime you have, such an expansive and extensive discography you're going to lend yourself to developing that cult following i mean for for example now i mean pearl jam more or less you know you could say that there's like a cult following of pearl jam where you know oh, they've, yeah. they've got 11 albums right now a couple of studio albums i mean all of their bootlegged live albums you know people you know it's not uncommon to run into somebody at a show who's like yeah this is my 32nd pearl jam show yeah you know <laughs> yeah when you start talking to people and you go hey what's your favorite you know pearl jam song or more specifically, like, what's your favorite, like, Deadhead song? And they 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 spit out a date and a place rather <laughs> yeah. than the song title. Yep. Then you know you're in a cult. That's yeah. when you know you're in a cult. July 9th, 2005 at the Gorge. <laughs> like. <laughs> uh, I wanted to say this on the other uh, the other episode. I was talking to Nick, and he said he's on the Reddit for, uh, for the Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. And if you go into uh, the Reddit and you just type in a date, it'll spit out a concert. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that yeah. you can listen to. And they've played, I'm pretty sure they've played every single date of the year. Except oh, for maybe like, yeah, except for maybe like three or something like that. But I'm pretty sure they played every date, which is pretty, pretty awesome. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's really cool. And uh, I'm Pearl Jam probably has a similar, they're probably getting close to playing all the dates. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've been touring their balls off for, you know, many, many years. Now. I mean, almost 30 years which is unbelievable. So another album that turns 30, um, one that I just want to talk about right now, Chili Peppers, uh, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic. That's a, you know, it's funny because that that was a really big paradigm shift for the Chili Peppers, you know, turning from, 
you know, they were a funk band in the 80s. I mean, I feel like a few bands did because Metallica was the same way where they kind of moved and did more ballads than this one. And then there's a there's like a few other that people were getting out of their norm. Yeah. And it, and it's hard to um, for me, at least, I guess, rhetorically categorize that shift, like where the Chili Peppers went. But because I don't want to say they became more conventional because that definitely sounds like it's an insult. But um, I don't know if you know, their music just became more accessible with this record. But I mean, obviously, I mean, Under the Bridge is on there. I mean, that alone, you know, is a, yep. is a hallmark of the era, a hallmark of the generation. But for me, actually, my favorite, my favorite song off of this, uh, this record was actually on the deluxe version. And it was a cover mm-hmm. of a Jimi Hendrix song, Castles Made of Sand that they did. Yep. And it's just so chunky and chompy. And it's, it's, yeah. it's so good. I posted it a couple of weeks ago. They, they used to play it live back during this era. Um, and that's another funny thing, you know, if you look back at live footage of these bands from like the early 90s when their discographies and their catalogs weren't that big, I mean, they were playing some deep cuts off of the record, you know, because they had to, they didn't have any other material. And now 30 years yeah. later, like you're not going to hear some deep cuts off of these records unless they play them front to back on a night, which I know some of these bands choose to do, or if it's an anniversary tour or something, for example. But I mean, this, this, this is one, you know, absolutely amazing in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. When um I, I always like to think about it. like you never know what concert when you go to a concert, like what song is gonna be like or what performance is gonna be famous like ten years and remembered or it's gonna be a lot you know, you know, for song for deep cuts like the only version that is ever played and people are looking for that video online. So um it is interesting that if yeah, if you were to go to a show in ninety one you get a bunch of that and, and you could say that you saw certain versions and whatnot. Uh, the one song on that album that that was like the first chili, one of the first Chili Peppers songs that I listened to and that I heard, and um, it was through a band member that we were we were getting into the Chili Peppers. It was actually, the first time that I realized that it's so funny. I was so guarded as a kid and didn't realize mm-hmm. that you know bands like cursed or talked about certain things when they sang. Oh, but, uh, even some, even just the title of that album, it's like what yeah, sex? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, blood sugar sex. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> The uh, the song was uh, "Suck My Kiss," and like, and for a mm-hmm. while, for some reason, I thought it was like "Suck My Ass," <laughs> and I thought, I mean, like, because that, yeah. and, and, and like, I just thought it was hilarious, and like, we we would jam it in the barn all the time, <clears throat> play some Chili Peppers. We loved. They were always a fun band to to play to play with and whatnot. Because oh, absolutely, and it's and it's one. And I'll of, say this anytime. I'll say this anytime I talk about the Chili Peppers. I think any music fan. At some point in their their lineage of music fandom, they've gone through a Chili Peppers phase. Yeah, it's definitely a band that you know more songs than you think you know. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, and I, yeah, I was just listening to the cat that cat the version of Castles, mm-hmm. and I love I love Hershanti as a. Oh yeah, and it's great on the, on the studio recording. Uh, Anthony, uh, Anthony's like, take it, Johnny, and he just hits that super super fuzzy, just you know, like I said, like chompy solo. It's so good. Like yep. it's like a like a bee buzzing, but a lot more powerful. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. That's obviously a super iconic album. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably, probably uh, I want to say probably my favorite. I don't know. I actually really like Californication. One yeah, of the newer albums. I was gonna, like, it's probably between. Newer, but like, yeah, it's like what was that? Two thousand eleven. Californication was I think the late nineties. Stadium Arcadium I think was or, like oh two. Stadium. Or I was thinking Stadium Arcadium. I was yeah yeah. yeah I'm sorry. Think something like O2 or something, but um, another one that's kind of you know in the periphery of being like grunge adjacent, which I know people go back and forth on whether this band could be 
categorize it as grunge or not. I personally don't. Um, but Gish by the Smashing Pumpkins, which actually just celebrated its 30th anniversary, I think two weeks ago. Um, I mean, yeah. this one, the Pumpkins, man, like, you know, right from the jump here on Gish, I mean, they just, they carved out their own specific and unique sound. Um, yeah, it's just so atmospheric almost. And, you know, the songwriting capabilities um, and the creativity, I think, in the studio and in live too, uh, really shines through right from the get-go with this band. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, looking at the set list or the 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 song list, I think the one the most listened for me is Rhinoceros. Yeah, I would say Rhinoceros think, for me, and then Crush as well. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, Smashing Pumpkins are yeah not grunge, but a one of my I, I love I really really enjoy getting in getting into. Uh, I just I like that type of singing. I love Billy's voice. I mean, he kind of represents a lot of the like I like Dinosaur Jr., which we'll talk about. I think mm -hmm. and kind of like not not really the pure the purest of voices in mm -hmm. their own right. Um, so yeah, this is another great album that I just I can always get into and re rediscover. I like rediscovering Smashing Pumpkins every time I put them on. Absolutely, and and, and going back to Billy, you know, um, his voice is very polarizing and also. Um, for some people, or I guess a lot of people, his personality can also be very polarizing, including to his own yeah. band members. But I think, you know, people fix it on members. his voice. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there were there were stories, I think, when they were recording Chinese Dream, I think, um, he, he was writing most of the music, and he basically, you know, insisted that he record all of the, the you know, guitar tracks and everything. And, like, James Eha was there just like, you know, I couldn't really do anything because Billy just wanted everything to be done. And Billy was like, well, why would you do it? Like, you're going to fuck it up, you know, 15 times. I can get it done in one take. So, uh, but I yeah. think all of that kind of detracts from the fact that, I mean, he really, he's a really good, talented guitarist. And as a songwriter, you know, I mean, some of the most iconic anthems of the 90s, you know, came from his pen. So, um, and it all started with Gish, you know, and that's, that's a really, really great one to start with. And, uh, and, and one yeah, that I, yeah. As, yeah. I was going to say Billy, Billy as a I mean, guitarist and all that, but I think as a performer, I think he's, I don't know if he's underrated, but as far as like stage performer and the way that he delivers mm -hmm. every song, I think he's really consistent and, and, and just provides a great experience. I've never been to a Smash of Pumpkins shows, full yeah. disclaimer, but like just from the videos I've watched, he seems extremely just yeah. passionate every time he gets up there. That's why he plays everything on the song. And, you know, Speaking of that and that kind of attitude, um, moving over to another another guy that does this. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Dinosaur Jr. The album Green Mind turned thirty, and yes. Jay, Ma Jay Maskus also has a little history of doing that, where he plays most of the parts on the album, uh, and and uh, he did that for this for this album. I'm pretty sure. Um, and I guess yeah, he he realized that he could avoid creative squabble by playing nearly every <laughs> instrument himself. <laughs> so in, employing the the services of the drummer, of course. But yeah, this album, um, Green Mind, has you probably don't know that Dinosaur Junior is not huge, but like I said, he has the the voice and the kind of guitar and kind of the um, just the what's the word I'm looking for sporadic kind of yeah, sound and, just and music like right that in I the like style of the era and and they've been remarkably yeah. consistent with yes. that style and um you know I mean it, it you know definitely right on this album as well but that's got to be a really interesting 
um, slash difficult dynamic for a band. Uh, you know, yes, if like 100%. If, if, if the songwriter comes in and is like, Hey, like this is the idea we're doing this. Um, and, and yeah. I mean, just goes to show, I, I can't believe that so many of these bands are still around, you know, um, mm-hmm. because something like that, those conflicts are, are sure to, um, you know, create some difficulty in the creative process and the recording process. Um, I think you it's know, one of those, yeah. I was going to say to touch on that because it happens a lot um, where I, when I, when we were writing music, like as far as, I mean, I was a young, young music writer, but I was a drummer and like, you're almost at the, if someone is creating all of the songs and lyrics, like it is, it's tough to kind of argue when someone, it's tough to collaborate really and have bands. It's actually really impressive when bands can effectively collaborate more often than not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, I think that's, people don't realize how difficult that yeah. is. Yeah. Well, it's even like, um, even, you know, like in the business world, if you have, if everybody has an equal say, it's like, how do you make decisions if everybody wants a different thing? And, and even, I know bands will talk about that even with something like, how do you decide the set list for a show? And, and Pearl Jam, I think they asked Stone once or something, you know, they were like, Stone, so like, do you guys all get together before the show and be like, oh, I want to play, you know, Brain of Jay and like, oh, like, I want to play nothing as it seems. And Stone's like, no, like, it's it's hardly democratic. Like, you know, Ed basically comes in and is like, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, if something sounds good in the sound check, we might add it or we might cut it if it sounds bad and adjust on the fly there. But I mean, Part of it, you know, if it's done right and you're communicating well about it, I mean, somebody somebody has to be able to override and overwrite on decisions or else you just have, you know, you, there's just paralysis because everybody might want a different thing or, you know, but I mean, that's why yeah. you, know, you have to communicate and, you know, hopefully rely on those relationships. Um, and seemingly Dinosaur Jr., Jay Maskus, they've been able to do that considering they're, they're still here. Either that or the money's just too release. good. <laughs> yeah, just... Just released an album uh, a couple months ago. Exactly, which is pretty good. I'm actually, going to go see them. We've talked. Yeah, about you, you got tickets, here, right? Yeah, I got, got I, tickets. Yeah, I know they're playing. You, I know you've bought tickets this year. So actually, we've we've been on a buying spree, right? You have a few concerts lined up now, right? Yes. Yeah, I have. Um, I think I have three so far. Um, so I was able to I was able to secure tickets to Springsteen on Broadway. Um, That's awesome. Which is amazing. I'm super excited about that. I love Bruce Springsteen. Um, I also have tickets to see Julian Baker in September. Um, yeah. I'm going to pick up tickets to see Counting Crows. Um, I also uh, am going to pick up tickets to see Modest Mouse. Um, and then additionally, I think Dawes yes. is coming to going to Boston. I'll, I'll go and see them probably. Um, but I mean, just with each week, I'm finding out about these shows that are near oh, me. Oh, dude, there's just so many... Yeah, so my my dropped. disposable income is uh, is evaporating, but it's worth it. I'm disposing of it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm doing yeah, I just, that which is intended. <laughs> yeah, that's why I saved the money. Yeah, I think I bought tickets to, uh, so far, I have Dinosaur Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a ca- campus coming again. Going to oh, see nice. them. Um, I just bought tickets to the Front Bottoms in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I'm going to buy some Modest Mouses playing in Huntsville, and I'm, I was just waiting to see if I could get someone to go with me. I'll probably just solo it. But that, that, that's another the thing one, about all of our these, friends. Yeah. We've been posting that on Porch Radio a lot. And shout out to a good friend, Kevin Foster. He's been, mm-hmm. he mess, he commented about it, loves it. He loves he Modest Mouse. Yeah. He understands the Modest Mouse. And, and so do we. I think I'm, I'm going to talk about them more later this, this episode for my song of the week, I believe. Oh, uh, very nice. Yeah. Oh, man. They're just so good. But, um, yeah, it's a lot of good concerts coming out, and it's gonna be hard not to. That's the pile hard part the for me with um, like attending concerts because I think both of us like our music taste is not really um, 
you know, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't coincide with people in our age cohort a whole, whole lot. So for me, it's yeah. like, it's, it's always, it's like, do I, oh, do yeah. I try to find somebody to come with me, but like, they won't get it, you know, or like, what if they don't enjoy it? Like, I don't know if they're going to enjoy Isaac Brock, you know, or like Adam Duritz, you know, talking about yeah. whatever they're talking. So it's like, do I, do I go alone or do I try to drag somebody with me? Or right. sometimes I, I definitely like, I, I do really enjoy going to shows alone. Um, so like Julian Baker and, and, uh, counting crows. Like I, I just bought a single ticket. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's always uh, it's always the, the the choice, you know. Right. Yeah. It's like, do you want to go and kind of experience it yourself, or do you want to go and be a yeah. sage so, for somebody else? So an, 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 another question that's adjacent to this: um, yes or no to having to going to a concert as a date? Hmm, that's a great question. I like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think that it's a great idea. Yeah. If you are, I don't think it should be a first date. Oh no, absolutely it should be not. like, like, like. There's a few things I don't like. I don't like. Um, I don't like movies as a first date. Obviously, because you can't talk. Because like, you can't, you can't talk. Yeah. yeah. Same with the concert. Like first date's not good. You're probably too worried about, you know, being being impressive or whatever. So, mm. but I do love. I do love if you can get a, because I love enjoying music with somebody. So if you have somebody that you think is going to enjoy and you can go and you guys can both just be yourselves individually and just you're almost like almost get to see inside somebody else yeah like absolutely. while they're there they see their experience as you're experiencing i think it's perfect how about you yeah i think it definitely depends on the uh the point in that relationship that you choose to go to a concert so like if you're like yeah. if you're if you're in a relationship relationship with somebody and like they are your significant other i mean you can do anything as a date but like i would definitely yeah. not go to a concert as a first date um i never i never have well i went i went on one like to this day, I don't know if it was a date or not. It was one of those. It was like, you know, hey, like this band's coming, like we should go. And I was like, yeah, totally. And you know, whatever. Um, that was that was it, obviously. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I th- I would agree with with you. You know, if like, you know, if, if you both enjoy the music and are connected to music, because I, I you know, concerts can be a fairly intimate experience. You know. Um, and yeah, that connection, you know, between the performers and the audience and the audience and, and the other members of the audience, I think it's, uh, definitely stay away from it though. Um, for the first date, the first couple of dates. And also like, if you know that like the kind of music that you want to go see is not your significant others, you know, it's not their, not their kind of bag. Like you, you don't do that because then you're not going to enjoy it cause they're not enjoying it. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big proponent that like when you, when you go to a concert, you pick very carefully who you, uh, Ash to go with. Oh you, yeah, I'm there for the damn show. I'm not there to. Yeah. You know, I'm not leaving like early said, either. No, 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 I'm not <laughs> leaving early. Yeah, but I, I will say for camp and for uh, for, I mean, front bottoms was pretty sure. But I bought, I bought, I buy two tickets to most concerts actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always buy. I not always, but I've been unless I have someone else that knows. But usually I buy two tickets so then I can ask and I usually try to convince somebody to go because I do like, you know, happiness is. Is true when it's shared. So absolutely, it, it sure is. Yeah, we have to. Um, I know we don't live in the same place, but we, we got to get together for a couple of shows. Uh, yeah. this summer we'll we'll make that happen. That'll that'll be great. Uh, there's too much too much history here shared. Um, that's good stuff. But I think what, there's uh... there's two there's two pillars that we need to talk about here <laughs> <laughs> that are very near and dear to our hearts and to the hearts of anybody um, who has been with the page for a while. So in 1991, um, Mud Honey's Every Good Boy Deserves Fudge came out, and also Bullhead by the Melvins came out. And Bullhead <laughs> is very significant for the reason that Boris is on Bullhead. Yes, and if you don't know the song Boris, 
one, I'm not surprised, I think. But two, it's worth a good it's worth a good listen. Something about watching Buzz Osborne perform uh, always specifically just, if you can find it solo acoustic in the record al- in the record album is a great one. Yes, yeah. solo- <laughs> and the, and he's in a record store and he's playing Boris and and like Boris! the whole <laughs> and the, whole, the whole first half of the song is just one string on the guitar and everyone is silent. <laughs> like you could tell that like people. People like went to the record store and a Melvin's concert broke out. Like they didn't go for the Melvin's. So, like <laughs> you just see Buzz Osborne with you know with his hair just screaming into this microphone alone. Um, you know, it's it's a really really important uh, important <laughs> just, setting. You know, I mean the Mel- the Mel- Melvin's are great. Like I I love posting the Melvin's and then getting yes. the comment that like this is the best band ever, mm-hmm. and I can't argue with that person because to them. The Melvins are the best band yes. ever, and that I love the Melvins, but that blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> They're just unapologetic about it too, and and honestly, I'm very okay with saying that I I don't get it. Um, like I like them. I don't very often go out of my way to listen to them. Usually, the only time I would listen to them is if I'm doing research for a post or like for a show or something like that. Um, but yeah. Mud, Mud Honey, on the other hand, is different. Like I will listen to Mud Honey. Um, I just listened to Every Good Boy Deserves Fudge front to back. Uh, last week and you know i i love it you know mud honey they're just so consistent you know what you're getting and it's and it's great it's high octane good energy mm-hmm. mark arms vocals for me are right up my alley um so that's that's a great album i know uh mud honey are doing i think they're doing a reissue of the album this year for the 30th anniversary mm-hmm. i know they've they've been uh doing some commemorative merch and things like that so if you're into that you go you that's go a check great, that out that's a great album title Absolutely, no, and it goes with the. the Isn't there like a, like a mathematic thing or something? No, it's for it's what? for a guitar. E A D G B. Oh yeah, no. Every good jo- good boy deserves fudge. So it's like they just made that an album. I love that. Yeah, I I, That's learned, how I remembered it. I learned uh, Eddie ate dynamite. Goodbye, Eddie. As like to learn the strings. <laughs> Really? Yeah, that's what I learned. Marty Schwartz taught me that back in <laughs> 2015. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I think that, Uncle, I thought there was Marty. one about. They're probably it's it's definitely for something, but I'm not intelligent enough to know what it is, um, other than being the Mud Honey album and the fact that yes, I th- I do think that every good boy does deserve fudge. Um, yeah, what, wasn't there one about cows eating grass? Probably, and then there's obviously PEMDAS, which everybody probably knows. That's for math, though. I don't know what we're yeah. talking about here. It's not important. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Know that <laughs> there is not tin, tin snaffle, but um. <laughs> Speaking of um, not getting it, I think that brings up another album, another band that at first... I think it uh, does. I think that ne- neither of us really understood. Until, yeah, we didn't get it. <laughs> and, until we arrived. And, and we were, you know, we were reluctantly brought to the, the altar from our followers for this one. But Primus, happy 30th birthday to <laughs> Primus sailing the seas of cheese. And what an album. I mean... It's full. It's it's absolutely jam packed with the songs. I mean, I pretty much every time I I might actually only exclusively listen to this, this is album. quintessential Primus. <clears throat> yeah, for me, for sure. I mean, it has it has it has the Jerry top was two. a race car driver. Tommy the cat, uh, our favorite. Here come the bastards. Here come the bastards. Um, it's just Sergeant fantastic. Baker, Sergeant Baker and American Amer- I love American Life too. It's just. I love uh, I love uh, Los Bastardos. That's, that's that's a great one, dude. Honestly, so so when there's a uh, there's a the write up on this is like so funny because whoever wrote like we were looking at uh, Pace Magazine did a top 
30 and we were looking through some of the stuff just for a reminder. So we didn't miss any albums and they were talking about this one and they like, I mean, whoever wrote this, that probably their favorite band of all time. Cause they high praise and how no, no song is bad on this album. And oh, I, absolutely. I, I would totally agree. And it, but the first line is everyone's favorite alt rock slash funk metal slash experimental post post punk weirdos. And I was like, that's a pretty good descriptor. They, they could have uh, gotten rid of everything and just said everyone's favorite weirdos. And that would have been just as descriptive, I think. Yeah. So what's your, what's your favorite, um, What's your most adhering quality of the band Primus now that you've come to the camp? I, I absolutely love just the ridiculous subject matter of all of the songs. And mm, and I love yeah. live Primus, like Les's showmanship, like that little hop that he does around the stage. Yeah, he, was, he's slapping yeah. the bass and he's, he's got that walk going on. I, <laughs> I love it. It is it is so unique and distinct. And it's just like when you when you put it all together like how they act on stage like how they branded themselves like hey we're primus and we suck um what they're singing mm-hmm. about what they're what they're performing about like it's just the ultimate like don't give a fuck attitude which is really really fun um and i th- when i think of primus i just think you know obviously it's many years after the music came out but like for me it's just it's just fun you know to listen to yeah um it doesn't have yeah. you know a darker meaning or anything for me at this point at least but it's just it's great yeah, I would say that if you guys have never listened to this album and you're looking for a recommendation, I recommend you go for a road trip and put it on, uh, especially if it becomes like like the sun is setting. I feel like it's great driving mu- music to keep you up uh, oh, yeah. and just drive. So, yeah, really good album. I agree with you. The subject matter and the lyrics are hilarious. And, of course, I all the, like, you know, the syncopation and, like, the stopping and starting of the band. Oh, it's the so great. Is, yeah. Yeah. And it's all that stuff is really you know difficult to, I think it's difficult to like create, like when people, people don't think about music as like stop and go. So yeah. I, I love that about them. Well, I that's think it's why really I'm unique. always impressed when, when, when writers and, and, and musicians and bands create music, like in different time signatures or even different tunings, because it's just a different, I feel like it's a different part of your brain to access and, you know, it takes a great yeah. level of creativity to tap into that and a lot of confidence, I think, to see those ideas through because, you know, it's it's going to sound super disharmonious at the beginning. But Primus is another one of those bands that I think their um, mystique and like now like the meme aspect of it kind of can overshadow the fact that like there's some really good musicians in that band. Um, and I, and I know oh, people yeah. have said in the past, it's like, you know, they're great musicians that are purposely, purposefully playing badly, you know, which I think is kind of funny, but I mean, they're really, really talented. Um, and I think I definitely forget about that at points when I'm watching it just cause I think it's comical sometimes, but, um, yeah. really, really a big fan. Let's go back to Grungeville for a second. Uh, Temple All of right. the Dogs, uh, eponymous album came out in 1991 as well. Um, so we're, we're kind of, we're kind of going to gloss over the, uh, quote unquote grunge records, because I anticipate that at some point we'll get to these, you know, for their own standalone episode. But I mean, that, that temple of the dog project was great. And, you know, uh, former members of mother love bone and then, you know, who came, became Pearl jam, obviously in Soundgarden. So, I mean, you talk about these guys, you know, they, the temple of the dog album came out and also, you know, 10 came out and bad motor finger came out. So these gentlemen were busy in 1991, yeah. very, very busy. Yeah, and obviously, when it comes to uh, Temple of the Dog, I think that it has one of my favorite songs of the era and Hunger Strike. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just every time I I, I can just it's, you can just put that on repeat more more the more so than other songs. It's one of those. Mm-hmm. What did you call it the other day? You said albums that, or songs that can't be worn out. Yeah, you can't you like can't kill them. Indestructible. Yeah, you can't kill them. Indestructible. Yeah. yeah, I think Hunger Strike is that. It's just oh, beautiful. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's yeah. so many like I I think I could make the case you know of any song on the temple of the dog record of being temple of the dog's best song. You know, I mean, they were, mm-hmm. they were that good. And, and, it, and it's interesting too, because that was, um, Mike McCready came in for that record and, you know, that was some of his first work, you know, in that geographic area with those people. And I mean, he came in and, you know, on reach down, for example, he just, you know, blew the doors off of everybody. And that was kind of his arrival, but a lot, a lot of good things going on there. Yeah. We're going to have to do an al- a, a podcast episode on nevermind, um, because obviously that one, I mean, that, that pretty much changed everything. Um, and just I mean, cha- was, changed the trajectory of rock music almost, you know, think about it. Yeah. That has, has to be the biggest album that came out in 91 sure. as far as a, as far as a historical standpoint. And I mean, and as a band, I mean, bet 10 and bad motor finger were some of their best, those, you know, Pearl Jam yeah. and Soundgarden's best album, but nevermind was clearly their most important album. Um, yeah. And I think with me, um, one thing that I, I always, always struggle to comprehend, which because it's impossible for us to, is to really get a grasp for how big these were and how explosive they were when they were yeah. released. You know, for example, yeah. I mean, I, I think Nevermind came out in September um, of 1991. So like what it was like being a music fan in July of 91 when like you I hadn't know. heard Teen Spirit. And the next thing you know, you you know, you hear this song and it changes everything. Um, and I always love hearing stories, um, you know, of like people on the page when they'll comment about, you know, I'll never forget where I was the first time I heard Teen Spirit yeah. or, you know, I heard Even Flow on the radio for the first time. And I was like, this is, this is big. Yeah, I try to, I always, whenever I, when someone's explaining it to me and they're, they're trying to get me to understand, I try and, you know, compare it to something that's similar in, in my life to like when, like, on, like when Coldplay broke. Mm-hmm. you know back in the day or like mumford and sons i'm trying to think like the bigger the bigger bands that like were in my teenage years yeah and um let's see what's another one it's hard um, though with these with with those comparisons because right now we don't have the convenience of having the perspective because it's still a lot more recent i mean 30 years and these are still iconic well, so it's it's hard to tell what's going to have the staying power exactly but i'm, I'm just you know, i'm thinking about what was like when bands release songs now and how it throws them onto the scene, mm-hmm. like the comparison of back then. Cause yeah, it's totally different. You're right. 30 years is a long time to still hold its weight. So I do my best to compare. And I just imagine that it's like, I do wonder about that. modern music. So like, I, I think 30 years from now, I think people will still be listening to Taylor Swift. Um, I think people will still be listening to Billie Eilish. Um, but like, I think, I don't know. I, I don't know if all generations feel like this, but I, some pop music, recently i just don't know if it's going to have the staying power for example like the like 2019's chart toppers for example i don't know what they are i couldn't tell you but i don't i don't know if they'll have the staying power or even you know um yeah yeah it's it's always interesting to think and then about you have yeah and then you have like you know led zeppelin and pink floyd and some of the some of the songs that are just timeless and can't Been on the be radio really, for 50 years can't be replicated and people still turn it up when it comes on the radio yeah what other albums you want to talk about? I have a few I'd like to get to as a sort of a sort of a lightning round. Um, you have one. We'll just we'll go album for album here. Yeah, um, another one that kind of came up. I think that's important. It was the day before Nevermind was released, but it was 
the Pixies album, uh, Trompe Le Monde. And, and, okay. And so the Pixies, uh, have I, I don't know this album incredibly well, but mm-hmm. I do know the importance of the Pixies in the era is extreme. You have a lot of bands reference them and how, how like just, um, just incredible they are to an influence like they'll with like Sonic Youth and like the, uh, yeah, basically the people reference Sonic Youth a lot. But I think that this album, one of the footnotes they said is like because it came out right before Nevermind, it was definitely uh, overshadowed. So it's one of those beautiful albums that you rediscover and you get to realize how good this music was. And that's, I think that's a key is all these albums are awesome. There's like so many albums that I need to like listen more to. There's not just not enough time. So um, I'm assuming that one is going to be the same. So got to go back there and give it another, give it another listen because yeah, yeah, can't let anything go by. Can't let the good music slip away. So yeah, for sure. One for me, so well, going back to yours, the, the Pixies are definitely a blind spot for me. I haven't spent a lot of time listening to them, but right. uh, this next one that I'm about to talk about, I actually um, went out of my way to purchase a CD uh, copy mm-hmm. of it, um, and it is School of Fish by School of Fish, um, yes. which I, I think for one of the first episodes, it was my song of the week, Three Strange Days, which is off of this record, but School of Fish, they only released two albums um, in in. Th- Three Strange Days was the only song of theirs that ever had any sort of commercial success, but really, really great, you know, rock, alternative rock band from the early 90s. They released this album in 91, and they released uh, their second album in 94, and then broke up uh, shortly thereafter. I think the lead singer wanted to go focus on a solo career. Um, His name was Joshua Clayton Felt. He unfortunately passed away from testicular cancer, I think, in 2000 or 2001. But this one is just so great. It's it's just a really, really good listen. Uh, Three Strange Days is great. They have another song on there called King of the Dollar. some really, really good. They've, they've they've got a ballad on there towards. They got a little bit of everything. It's it's a really, really good, well put together album. And and I think a lot of these bands, you know, that came out with their first record in '91. I mean, the the market was so saturated with good music. I mean, you're talking about for for a rock musician, you know, maybe since the '70s. This is the hardest year to probably break in and and fight for airplay and fight for sales, just because you know. If 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 Nevermind and School of Fish are sitting there on the, on the shelf at your local uh, Tower Records, you know you don't know what School of Fish is, but you know you know it's just fighting for that share of the market. And, yeah. and I think a lot of these bands, you only you know, got twenty dollars to spend. Are you buying yeah. ten? And a lot. Are you gonna buy Nevermind? Are you gonna buy School of Fish? Exactly. I'm going School of Fish every time. But it's, <laughs> it's 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 so hard because I mean there's there's definitely you know there's even bands that we don't even know of you know you and i aren't even aware of that you know oh yeah weren't didn't get their their best shot just because of you know the powers that be which is always out of everybody's control but it's always you know strange to think about that they're you know the adjacent nirvana was out there and you know nobody ever really quite uh you know discovered them or picked them up but that's that's certainly one for me that makes the list um and is one that's uh of really really big importance to me i've listened to it a lot the last like year and a half as as i know you yeah. know <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that one is um one that you would you would yeah you would send send me on a monday and be like wow three strange three days strange, yeah the, the last the last three days yeah so I'm, been, I'm actually i'm currently just pulling out of the three very strange days so it's yeah. fitting today <laughs> yeah I, I think I think one one of my favorite uh, band names, School of Fish. Oh yeah, it's, it's great. great. It's so good. It's a great name. Absolutely. Yeah, good, that's a great great album. Glad it came out thirty years ago. Uh, so uh, one, one 
another one, uh, U2 came out with Actung Baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that this was another one of like them changing uh, oh, changing totally. sounds and yeah. totally moving into a more, I don't know, theatrical would be the word. It was almost or? like a little bit more, yeah, like produced like electric. And I know they're, if I remember right, their tour for this was absolutely crazy over the top in terms of the um, just stage accompaniments that they had and everything. And I know... Yeah. At Which the are time, now is typical U2. Right. And I know at this time, this record probably pissed off a lot of the, uh, you know, Unforgettable yeah. Fire fans and Joshua Tree fans because it was so different. Um, and I think with time, you know, obviously I wasn't alive for the releases of any of those. But I mean, Joshua Tree is my favorite U2 record. Um, but mm-hmm. I can definitely appreciate this one. Uh, Mysterious Ways. Oh, yeah. I would say Mysterious Ways is probably my favorite song off the album. Yeah. Uh, just. This album's really, aged really yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, Bono was was cited. I was reading, and he he referenced the song "The Fly," was mm-hmm. like metaphorically like the cutting down of the Joshua tree. In a way. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh my gosh! I, I love like, that. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, damn, uh, that's really that's a great. You know, people probably hate that, but that's pretty. Yeah. I like I, that. I, I, like lo- that I love that. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, is incredible. So, Whatever cutting down the Joshua tree means for you in your life, um, do it. I think it's I think it's worth doing yeah, at some you gotta point. You got to cut yeah. that sucker down. Change is good. Yeah, change is good. Sometimes you just gotta you gotta free yourself up and and get on moving. And I guess Bono did, did that with Fly. <laughs> he never looked back either. He never did until he uh, had multiple commemorative tours for Joshua Tree. But nevertheless. <laughs> Um, lightning um, round here. A couple albums I want to mention that came out in 1991. Um, Tom Petty's Into the Great Wide Open came out that yeah. year, as well as uh, The Sky is Crying by Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble. Um, additionally, Weld by Neil Young and Crazy Horse came out. These are yes. you know those three three groups, three musicians that um, you know I play a lot. I love all of them. Um, additionally, getting into uh, getting into the rap scene a little bit. Um, Step in mm-hmm. the Arena by Gangstar came out that year. They're probably one of my favorite oh. groups. So yeah, Guru and DJ Premier going on there. And then also uh, The Low End Theory by A Tribe Called Quest came out in 1991 yeah. as well. Um, I, I'm a really, really big fan of rap from that era, particularly East Coast rap, uh, you know, like the New York scene and, and you know, thereabouts. And, and those are those are two great records from, you know, great groups there and oftentimes I'll, I'll put on you know a like a 90s rap playlist if i'm working or whatever a lot of new york rap different things like that but uh you know yeah. some more some more records and, and those groups were uh you know obviously went on to great great commercial success as the decade wore on yeah i really enjoyed um listening to 90s rap as really good really good background uh music for me i like when mm-hmm. coffee shops play not your normal coffee shop music, but they play like kind of like the rap and hip hop, yeah. Um, this, you know, city coffee feel. So um, I can really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, another album, another pretty big album that I, I don't know. I've li- I listened to. I think this is a band that you just you know a little bit more than you uh, realize. But My Bloody Valentine mm-hmm. um, released Loveless, and uh, I kind of just. The reason I wanted to bring them up because you posted they remind me of the cure a lot. Okay. Posted, <laughs> that, posted, that meme of Robert Smith yesterday. <laughs> it's a, what was what was the what was the so, head, headline? Yeah, so there was um, releasing a new album. Yeah, there was there was a there was a post there was a post, I think it was by 
like NME or something like that. Yeah, NME posted it was like the cures Robert Smith thinks this band's next album would be the last. And just the byline for the for the post was a quote. It was like, I definitely can't do this again. <laughs> Which how many times in your life do you get to the point where you have to do something and like that's what you do, you know, whether it be work or like even like going home and making dinner for the kids or something, and you're like, I definitely can't do this again. <laughs> and the picture that they chose is just absolutely perfect. I mean, that is that is that is a mood for all things that get you disgruntled yeah that was you sent me that picture yesterday and i just died as yeah. well because I, I just imagined you like <laughs> laughing at uh, it i was i was cutting up heavy for that it i was great. definitely can't do this again. <laughs> that's like uh one of my favorite like original memes was like it was like a picture of a robot and it was like his face was blank basically because mm-hmm. it's a robot but it was yeah. like when you're hanging out with someone, you realize you don't ever want to hang out with them again. <laughs> and I'm you not have, doing it's like this the same again. thing. It's like I definitely can't. When you're when you're hanging out with somebody, and you just realize, like, you know what? Like, this is the last time. Or you go yeah. on a date, and you're like, you just yeah. have that moment, and you're just like, yeah, or, this is. Or if anybody work ever asks me. you who the best Pearl Jam drummer is, I can't do that again. <laughs> We're not talking about it. We're done. We've had uh, enough. Yeah, what what's a what's a topic in the grunge world that you just can't? What's a debate that you can't just can't do? Well, I, I, I mean, the Pearl, Pearl Jam drummer debate is one that the Pearl Jam drummer debate sucks. It's super exhausted. small brain, but the um the whole um like who's the best singer? Like, dude, like uh, yeah. it doesn't matter. It literally it does not yeah. matter at all. That, that one's that one's tired. Um, calling any yeah, calling I, anybody a sellout is is tired. Mm. I can't do that again. I can't explain why selling out isn't really a thing again. Uh, until yeah. the next time I inevitably do, but uh, yeah. What what Copy about you? Paste. Those are some good ones. Yeah, uh, I, I hate those. Are, those are the ones that I hate the most. I I, I definitely can't do those again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, those are good. Uh, put me on. This, uh, let me think. Uh, Mm, yeah I, I think i yeah bands bands changing their sound like yeah oh, selling you know, out, an- I guess. another one that i can't do again is wow alice in chains really should have uh changed their name like oh yes dude, yeah changing changing three quarters of the going. band still man like yeah let them play like yeah dude let them let them play like they what they want for, they, they want have Duvall their own reasons they have their own, yeah they have their own reasons that they're still playing in general so yeah and i'm sure they don't care about your reasons as to why you think they shouldn't be playing so the end of the day you take that and you shove it and you move on can't mm-hmm. definitely can't do that again uh another tired another tired conversation is when people tell me that guns and roses is good oh my god to, <laughs> speaking of which to... use your illusions one and two came out in 1991 <laughs> and i'm not going to waste any time talking about the specifics of them i, just I couldn't think, waste time if i wanted to i don't yeah. know anything about it the only good thing that slash has ever done was velvet revolver and even that was mediocre the only good thing that Slash ever did was he was on Guitar Hero 2 and I could play <laughs> the only and good I could th- use him to play The Cure and other and Rage Against the Machine songs the, on Guitar the, the Hero. The only service that Guns N' Roses because I wasn't very good. <laughs> the only service Guns N' Roses gave to society was breaking up for about 20 years. But now they're back and they're raking money in because you have all these all these people who are in their heyday in the late 80s wanting to relive the glory days. And oh, my God. Yeah. Guns N' Roses Jeez. does not do it for me. It never will. Um, the only passable song they have is Used to Love Her, just because I think it's really funny. Um, it's like I used to love her, but then I had to kill her. Now she's six feet under or something. Um, just very satirical, I guess. But um, yeah. 
we we do not i don't i don't know what songs are from use your illusion one and two i don't care um i don't want to be educated on it uh so don't send me any supplemental information about it i'm not going to read about it i'm not going to look it up and i'm not going to listen yeah shout out to uh the creators of guitar hero though what (laughs) a great what a great freaking idea and just what a way to get people into good music because there's a lot of people that know one song by certain slow bands ride by fog hat <laughs> <laughs> guitar hero three legends of rock <laughs> could you imagine could you imagine um you know being fog hat and be like damn it like we're the easiest song on guitar they, they hero must be, they must be getting some pretty nice what is royalties that? like yeah 100 what does that mean for you like yeah we're the easiest song right on like, a video game is that a compliment <laughs> I don't know. And then you have like, you know, through the fire and flames. Which, oh my, that, yeah. Like, like exactly. Is, it, that would, that song was like, um, that song was branded or it was, it was totally created for guitar hero. It was like, yeah, we need like <laughs> yeah, guitar heroes said they need a song. Yep, <laughs> so let's do it. Go. Let's think of the most complex. I actually do love that thing. song though. That's, that, is good, that was like really my good only recollections from it are watching my, like, you know, you get, you get together with your buddies back in the day when you're like 11 or 12. It's like, He's going to attempt through the fire and the flames. Like, let's all gather around, you know? No, the best is like, it was like, like, you have a party, but like, yeah, like Derek, you know, Derek McBlain's coming over and he's like, he's, he's really good yeah. at guitar heroes. We're going to watch him. He's like, bringing his own. <laughs> he's bringing his own guitar. Like, Were you good the at other guitar one is hero? Like, no, I could I never su- get past. I sucked at it. I could never get past like the hard, like I could play a few hard songs like Foghat, but like <laughs> like play Foghat on hard. Yeah. But no, I I was very I was very modest. But yeah, it's like Derek's bringing his own uh, guitar because you know Nate's is all muddy and he yeah. used WD forty so he can get around <laughs> yeah, exactly. a little faster. He thinks it's lucky. <laughs> he doesn't trust that, any uh, of the other ones. Yeah, I mean, honestly though, you're you're kind of right. All jokes aside, I mean, for getting people our age into like classic rock or even grunge i mean different things like that i mean they they did have a really good variety of songs on there and and i definitely remember um like my my friends and my my school i guess my grade went through like that music phase i think when i was in seventh grade and it was like yeah. who whose house were you going over to play rock band whose house were you going over to play guitar hero like who who got like a guitar and was starting to learn and different things yeah. like that Kind of a fun absolute, time long time ago absolute now. yeah absolute legend of a game I'm, and i'm so glad that I'm, I, I think that, you know, we're not from the era, but I think that we grew up during high school at a good time when yeah. music had this intersection where I think that there was still a lot of classic rock influence in the 90s. And then there was stuff breaking through that we think we may not have gotten like the 90s surge, but we got like a, the really good 2000s. Oh, totally. And like the overlap that I don't know if I don't know if that's happening right now because of just well, the technological going advances. Going back to the Guitar stuff. Hero thing. um, so whenever Guitar Hero 3 came out, I was under the impression for several years after that that the greatest guitarist to ever live was Slash. <laughs> Dude, it's I was so like, true. the guy with the hat, he's the best. So like I'd see him, I'd see him, you know, in in like a like a guitar book or something, or I'd see him on the TV. I'm like, holy yes. shit, there he is. He's the best. <laughs> It's like Jimmy Page be damned, like all like like Stevie Ray Vaughan, who the hell is that? It's Slash and <laughs> his top hat and the and the cigarette poking out from his mouth with the neck of his yes. guitar. That's all you needed. <laughs> I mean that 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 dude is a video game character. Oh absolutely. Reason- he's he's a caricature. But um those those are some really good records from nineteen ninety one. So disclaimer, um this is not an exhaustive list, so um we don't want to hear it if we didn't include your favorite or we didn't talk about it. We tried it. our best. Yeah, we tried our best. And and I think I think we did from, good. We got we, we, did we got okay. around to, 
yeah. we got around to as much as we could and uh i did the best that i still could more today. yeah ends. i think i think i think and that's all that matters that's what we're out here doing absolutely let's uh let's talk song of the week ethan um i want to yeah, i want to hear i want to hear yours well uh i have so we've the last three days i've actually been really really um what's the word appreciative of our conversations our text conversations Mm -hmm. uh so chris and i sometimes we go through where late at night we just catch each other both usually chris catches me when i actually respond to my phone because i pretty much go dark at night i don't try to but we've been talking and listening to a lot of modest mouse recently and um you know it's just i just love the lyrics i love when when artists can bring me back so i've been reading a lot of lyrics and listening and we've been sending them back and forth and there's just so many songs to pick through but this this week I'm actually going to put in um, <clears throat> a song by Isaac Brock's um, secondaries or band, and they go under the name of Ugly Casanova. Mm-hmm. And I found them I found them a while ago through just a playlist where they came up, and I was like, this sounds exactly like you know Modest Mouse. And lo and behold, it was Isaac Brock. But the song the song is called um, Digging Holes, and I really love the lyrics of it, and it's about just how like talking to people so i'll I'll just read it it says i wish that you would move to the sun because you're like digging holes in thin air and we know that can't be done it says bravery and stupidity go hand in hand i guess that makes me the bravest man i was click to click to learn but slow to understand well what can you do and uh so the album's just kind of about that it's just like when you kind of digging holes you know barking up the wrong tree and you just kind of waste time doing you know going about like a pursuit yeah. and really like you just wish that something would happen. Like they, like I wish that they would cheat on me. So then I could just be like, I wish that you would cheat with someone cause you're like digging holes in water and it's just not possible. So you just like, wish that something would happen that would just be final. And I think that's so true. And like some relationships where it's toxic, you know it, or it's an, at the dead end. Um, and it's like one of those things where you just can't like get over it. And actually, um, one of Dinosaur Jr.'s songs, The Wagon, that came off of the the, the uh, album Green Mind 30 mm-hmm. years ago. I wrote right. down some lyrics because it's, uh, and it's like the same thing. And it says, I ring the doorbell in your mind, but it's locked from the outside. Uh, you don't live there any, you don't live there anyway, but I know it and I knock it every day um, or I yeah. knock on it all day. And it's like the same thing. It's like when you know something, but you keep coming back and you're looking for a response and Anyway, so one of the songs that I kind of dove into and just started listening to a little bit more, and I'm going to put it on the list because I think you guys should check out the band, check out the side project, and we love posting Modest Mouse. Um, so I, I know that you agree. So uh, yeah, comments, Chris, or next, no, I, next I, song of the week? I totally agree. And I think anything anything that Isaac Brock has done, you know, Modest Mouse, Ugly Casanova, whatever, um, I very much prefer to listen to them while I'm reading the lyrics, while I'm reading along with the lyrics, just because you you might miss something. And and particularly back then, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, Ugly Casanova, that came out in 02. And I mean, a lot of the records from the 90s and early 2000s with Modest Mouse, I mean, some of those songs were just unbelievable. Like you have to listen to them a few times to digest. And, and just he had this way and still does, you know, this way of just, kind of explaining real life in a way. Um, mm-hmm. 
and just problems yeah, that people deal with in super relatable. No, to... like not even metaphorically, just like straight cut down to it. And and that's exactly uh, we got an Isaac. It's like Brock. the stuff that people don't want to say out yeah, loud. Exactly. We we have an Isaac Brock double shot because my song of the week is going to be Modest Mouse. Um, whenever whenever you breathe out, I breathe in positive negative. Um, and this is another one I actually just posted on on Grunge Bible and Porch Radio yesterday, um, which just like. Exactly, you know, just talking about those things that exist in our minds and in society and in relationships that, you know, we're all aware that they exist, but nobody ever really talks about them so much. And and, and this song is just, you know, it's just so great. You know, it's like the lyrics read, I didn't go to work for a month. I didn't leave my bed for eight days straight. I haven't hung out with anyone. If I did, I'd have nothing to say. I didn't feel mm-hmm. angry or depressed. I didn't feel anything at all. I didn't want to go to bed and I didn't want to stay up late when you're living life. Well, that's the price you'll pay. And I mean, just like, I think we all, we can all relate to that at some point, you know, when you just have those moments or those, those ruts where nothing is appealing, you know, and if you do something, you're not going to enjoy it, but you're, you don't enjoy doing nothing, but there's nothing that sounds appealing to do. So you just kind of sit. Um, Oh yeah. And just like, I interpreted this one and I spoke about it on the post yesterday, you know, uh, the song title, you know, it has positive negative in it. And it's like, whenever, whenever I breathe out, you're breathing in whenever, whenever I speak out, you're taking it all away. Um, you know, your feelings are positive, negative, and, and, you know, all of those emotions are there the whole time. And, yeah. and it's really <clears throat> modest mouse, exactly like, um, what we were talking about with, with Kevin Foster, our friend, um, you know, just modest mouse's music kind of gets you to evaluate things in a different light and look at things differently. And in this song particular for me, it's like all of those emotions, like the good and the bad, like they're always there all the time. You know, it's like, which one, it just depends on which one the light is shining on, you know, mm-hmm. like everything's positive and everything's negative. I think simultaneously. Um, yeah. And, and this yeah, one for I, me, I, like I listened to it for like <clears throat> several hours in a row the last couple of days, like I've just fixated on this song I've been playing along with it and it's just, Oh, it's, it's just heavy. It makes you think. And I think the best music makes yeah. you think and it pro- provokes thought. Yeah. I really, I, I love that line. I you know I didn't want to go to bed, but I didn't want to stay up late. Mm-hmm. And that I think is, if you can't relate to that one, then, you know, that's mm-hmm. you know, bizarre to me because that's exactly it. Like people, people f- uh, always like when, when things aren't going right, they get, paralyzed at right around bedtime or they want to go to bed early they want to so they can be energized but then they they want to have that time to themselves and there's like some yeah paralysis that's involved and and yeah i you know i mean i th- i think a lot of people um they have a band that is similar to modest mouse for us it just really connects to us and i think a lot of people i think that um more people should give it a listen give it a look totally um but but i, I understand that you guys probably have bands that do the same thing for you and and i just you know, love that about music. And for some reason, um, yeah, the mouse just hits. I would love to do an episode on modest mouse because there's so many lyrics that are flooding my head right now that I want to talk about right now, but we're running short on time. So I think, I think, I think we can and save it for another episode (laughs) just because there's totally agree. There's such an important band personally, I think for the both of us. And, and, and I think for a lot of people out there and, and, you know, maybe even hopefully people were to listen and, and find value in it because they, you know, they heard us speaking about it, but Really, really yeah. great stuff. You know, highly suggest you to do, check them out. I would love to do a, a, a Modest Mouth lyrical analysis where we just kind of bounce oh, yeah. back lyrics and talk about it. That'd be super fun. Maybe we'll get a guest for that one. And they're just the person. I think we should do it. Um, so we, we, we had a 
both uh, both from the uh, the pen of Isaac Brock here today for the song of the week. That's the first time that has happened in the history of the Grunge Bible podcast, so we're excited for that. <laughs> um, that'll just about put a lid on episode 14 here. Uh, thanks for your support. Um, as always, you can head over to Grunge Bible to find grungebible.com rather to find different ways to support us. We have our Patreon page. We have merchandise. Uh, we have links to all of our streaming platforms there as well as our YouTube page. So if you have accounts on different streaming platforms or even whichever one you're using currently to listen to us or watch us, um, subscribe, leave a comment, review, um, like it, follow, whatever the correct term is. Uh, we would love it if you did that. And, you know, just keep listening and, you know, send us send us some emails about, you know, your thoughts on, you know, some of our some of our episodes and, and some of our thoughts um, and if you have suggestions or anything you'd like to hear us talk about in the future, uh, we're all ears and, uh, you know, we're looking forward to keeping the train rolling, but, uh, um, definitely gonna have to do a modest mouse episode, whether, mm-hmm. whether, whether you guys like it or not, we're going to have to do that one. Yeah. I think you'll like it. Yeah, you will. And, um, I just want to say, uh, if you guys, yeah, this podcast is produced by our good friend drew mcfadden and he's doing an excellent job so i want to say shout out drew if anybody has any um editing or producing needs you can hit him up at at godeo um it's like rodeo but with a g so godeo music on instagram godeo music so go check him out and uh yeah if you guys want to sponsor the podcast in any way uh feel free to send us something and let us let us uh talk about it but we're really excited to be doing this. Today was a great episode. That was a lot of fun. Um, I love chopping it up with you, Chris. Absolutely. So, it's always a pleasure. <clears throat> and one more so note, hope- actually. Uh, one more note. Right. Um, this is a big week for for my friend Ethan over here. Uh, Ethan is going this weekend to compete at the United States Track and Field Olympic Trials out in Eugene, Oregon. Yes. Um, so this will be the last episode that we record together uh, until the other side. And uh, we want to, you know, on behalf of... All of the Grunge Bible individuals out there, and certainly myself, uh, love to wish you luck and really excited Thank to see, you. see how it goes down this weekend. Uh, it's a great opportunity that's been you know, earned every step of the way for the past, gosh, nine years, ten years. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. It means a lot. Yeah, this is a, a journey that I, I find very admirable, the pursuit of it all and, and just achieving excellence. So I'm really excited. It's We've been waiting a long time to compete at this stage, so... Yeah, we're just going to go out there and, and uh, enjoy the moment, as they say, and hopefully yep. perform really well so and maybe make a team. If anyone's interested in following along, Ethan will be competing in the men's javelin throw. And the preliminary round, is that Saturday, Ethan? Saturday, yes. Okay. Yeah, Saturday and Monday. Yeah, you guys, if you find the links on, it's probably, it shouldn't be hard. It'll be I'm on gonna NBC. I'm going to share them on Grunge like Bible. I'm, I'm sharing that shit. So Saturday, yeah. Saturday, June 19th. So it'll um, be a day after this pod releases. It'll be Saturday. Yes. Uh and we'll we'll go off at like I think it's four fifteen or two fifteen or four fifteen. I gotta look. You will in fact be rolling on Shabos. <laughs> yes, I will. I'm not turning on the oven, but I am in fact gonna roll on Shabos. That's unbelievable. Yeah, so we're we're all really excited. I know, you know, me, I mean we go back a long ways to the early stages of this pursuit and it's been really really awesome for me you know to you know as your friend and as as a one-time teammate and training partner to you know see you see this through and and see you earn this this is uh this is really exciting for me selfishly thank you (laughs) yeah no selflessly actually yeah thank you yeah i mean it's uh yeah i don't know it's it's 
really it's the only it's the longest thing I've ever done. Yeah. You know, 10, 10 or twelve years of like you know focusing on something. So, you know, I, I think that is not easy to do. So I'm proud. Absolutely, of that. you got a lot to be proud of. And uh, thank you once again, everyone, to li- uh, for listening to this episode. Episode fourteen, I believe, is in the books now. That's all we got. Hey, that's all we thank got. Thank you, everybody. Um, have a great rest of the week, Chris. Keep killing it at your uh, your day job, and I'm going to keep doing my thing here and rock and roll, people. Absolutely. Take care, everybody. We'll catch you all next week. See you later. All right, see you later.